So you need to perform the analysis, document the analysis, and then adopt it and adopt it on your transactions. So it's okay to have the documentation, Tom, but you and I have seen several times where you've got the policies, you've got the procedures, but somebody's not following that. This is Tom Fox. What is the intersection of tax and compliance? Why should every compliance professional work with their corporate tax department to ensure more effective compliance programs? In this podcast series, Taxman, join myself and noted tax professional Tracy Howe as we explore the intersection of tax and compliance, as well as other tax issues that every business executive needs to be aware of for their efficient commercial operations. Taxman is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, we take up the issue of transfer pricing and why it's important that every compliance professional know about it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for of Taxman, the intersection of tax and compliance. I'm back again with Tracy Howe. Tracy, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Tom. I'm glad to be here again. Thank you so much. And I am the Taxman. So there. Tracy, we're going to take up the topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts, transfer pricing. And I would be so bold to say that if you're a compliance officer and you know what transfer pricing is, not only do you go to the head of the line, you go to the 99th point 99 percentile. So with that introduction, Tracy, why don't you tell us what is transfer pricing and what methodologies are used to determine or estimate price transactions? Hey, thanks, Tom. And like you said, if you're a compliance officer and you can say anything more than just the words transfer pricing, you are indeed an FOT. It's called a friend of tax. And you are one of those, Tom. But transfer pricing encompasses the methodologies required by tax code and regulations around the world to price transactions between affiliated companies. And when you talk about transactions, Tom, that's the provision and sale of goods between affiliates, sale of services, provision of services, the licensing of intangibles. That can be soft, that can be intellectual property, licensing of software, Tom. But transfer pricing requires you to price the transactions at an arm's length rate. So Tracy, the types of transactions between related parties are often problematic. Seems to me that's something that regulators are always interested in. What are some examples of types of transfer pricing between related parties? And why is that so important literally for every multinational? Let's compare two transactions. If you're selling a good, let's compare say Ford Motor Company selling something that's readily available as like a an automobile. And then it's easily comparable if it's manufactured in Canada and sold to the U.S. because you could compare that transaction to something that was manufactured by Chevrolet. Where it gets really complicated is if you're manufacturing proprietary type uh, products. Let's use the oil field services, for instance, and you're a company manufactures a very unique valve, okay? So what would the arm's length rate be 
if it's manufactured in the U.S. and sold to Mexico, the process normally to prove the arm's length rate would be to get some comparables for lot kind transactions, Tom. But that's hard to do if you're selling proprietary top specialized equipment, manufactured equipment. So then it, it becomes an art. And that's commonly said of transfer pricing. It's an art. So then you, the art is of coming up with an arm's length rate for comparable type of companies, comparable transactions between comparable entities. And you've got to go search databases. But this one-off piece of equipment doesn't have a comparable. So then you have to broaden the scope of finding something of manufactured goods, for instance, or pops or something comparable, Tom. It is an art, and it's normally tax issues of an exact nature, and transfer pricing is not. Let me move to some of the parties that might be involved, as you said, particularly with multinational organizations. And that's obviously companies we've worked with and for, and most companies in the energy space. So who are some of the parties or entities involved with multinational entities from the transfer pricing perspective? Yeah, there's several parties involved. The governments are involved with their different regimes for the selling and buying local jurisdictions. In other words, in every case, you've got a seller of goods or services and a buyer. And so those governments are going to be involved. The third parties organizations that are really involved right now is the OECDs really involved and becoming more prominent. OECD is the Organization for Economic Development. The OECD is pushing standard transfer pricing laws and regulations throughout the world, model laws and model treaties, if you will, transfer pricing strategies. And their objective is to try to standardize the government's laws and regulations so that you don't have a mismatch between very aggressive and very liberal or lax transfer pricing laws. I just want to bring up, you remember the objective of the governments, the taxing jurisdictions around the world, you know, is to get their fair share. In other words, every government is trying to expand its tax base. And so they do that by trying to grab as much of a multi-jurisdictional transactions profits as possible. So OECD is trying to provide some guidance on what's a fair share, which is a term I know you've heard, Tom, and we hear today in today's news, what is fair? And that's just somebody's opinion, what's fair. Tracy, one of the key elements, perhaps the key element in a compliance program, as I always say in every speech, there are three, and they are the following, document, document, document. What I was wondering is, as you've talked to us about transfer pricing and particularly negotiating with a uh, foreign government, maybe more art than science, could you walk us through what companies can do in terms of developing a strategy or a policy for transfer pricing and, and maybe talk about how you would document what you've done internally so that you can present a cogent argument to a foreign regulator? Sure, Tom. And you start off with saying that you can't emphasize enough how important it is to prepare immediately or at the front. Transfer price, if you're a multinational, one of the things that you must do at the beginning is to set your transfer pricing policies and business practices. 
okay, and you say, okay, what does that mean? You need to identify the pricing methodology that you're going to use to price the transactions between parent or affiliates. In other words, the framework, Tom, is arm's length. Okay, well, how do you get an arm's length transaction? Well, there's several methods. There's They call it the CUP, Comparable Uncontrolled Transaction. There's CPM, which is the controlled pricing methodology. And then there's a profit split. So a company needs to go through each one of those transactions, the transaction types, that would be the sale and purchase of goods is one, the sale and purchase of services between affiliates, and the licensing of intellectual property such as trademarks or software. So you need to have to go through and evaluate which is the most appropriate methodology for the given transaction. And it comes up with the most appropriate or fair result for both jurisdictions. And it's not just what's the cheapest, it's what is most appropriate in the allocation of and the pricing of the transaction, Tom. So you have to document your process of analysis and the conclusion And therefore, that leads to the adoption of a transfer pricing methodology, like a cost plus 10%, let's say, on manufactured goods. It might be cost plus 7% on purchase and resale of goods. And it might be cost plus 5 on headquarters services, Tom, like allocating out legal services or my tax services. So you need to perform the analysis, document the analysis. And then adopt it, adopt it on your transactions. So it's okay to have the documentation, Tom, but you and I have seen several times where you've got the policies, you've got the procedures, but somebody's not following that. And it just really blows up your credibility in a tax audit in country two when you say, I've got global policies, Tom, for all my intercompany transactions. And then if you don't follow those transactions, then you're in trouble. And it, it, you've lost credibility, and then you it almost puts you in damage control in a given jurisdiction. So, Tracy, that's interesting that you would use the phrase loss of credibility. I talk to a lot of people who do FCPA investigations, major investigations, and they negotiate with the government for a resolution at the end. Sometimes it's a penalty and sometimes not. And they universally tell me, Not only is the strongest thing you have, but really the only thing you have is your credibility. And it seems to me you're you're saying the same thing literally with every foreign tax jurisdiction you would sit across the table from. It's not just your word as your credibility, but your documentation to be able to show them the methodology you use to walk them through that and why that they should be persuaded by that. Would that be a fair assessment? Absolutely, Tom. You've described that so accurately. But, you know, I would also add for a multinational company, it's important to comply with the local documentary requirements. In other words, I'll use the example of a company that's headquartered in in the UK, for instance, Tom, and then it's got operations and a transfer pricing audit in country B, you know, let's just say Kazakhstan, for instance and you have a tax a transfer pricing audit in Kazakhstan. So you've got some global documentation, Tom, transfer pricing in your UK headquarters entity, 
And then you share that with the tax auditors in Kazakhstan. Okay, so you're partway there, Tom. In other words, you, you try to say, hey, listen, Mr. Auditor, we comply with all the tax laws and we respect transfer pricing. We have adopted global policies and procedures. But guess what, Tom? If you don't have that in the Kazakh format that's required by Kazakh law, and it's not in the local language, if they require that, then guess what? You've, you're partway there, but you've just gone off the tracks because you haven't gone all the way. And so you've got to follow the laws, even if they're a little bit different. And that includes language and formatting in all your jurisdictions. Tracy, I look forward to continuing the conversation. In this episode two, we took up transfer pricing. What are some of the methodologies used to price transactions? Well, transactions between related parties and cross borders. What types of transactions are there between related parties? There can be transactions for goods, services, or intangibles. What is the transfer pricing standard? Well, the definition begins with arm's length, which is an arm's length transaction of pricing between related parties must be an established price comparable to third-party transactions. Of course, examples are goods, services, royalties, financial services, such as loans. Arms length transactions almost are universally accepted. Who are some of the parties and objectives that have transfer pricing issues? Well, it always comes up with multinational enterprises. Obviously, every company has different legal entities in the countries it does business. Examples comparing a domestic corporation operating in 42 states versus a multinational enterprise or a manufacturing entity selling operating entities to then who sell to third parties. Some objectives of multinational enterprises include mitigating effective tax rates, payment of legal minimum of taxes, and avoiding double taxation. Governments are there to ensure receiving a fair share of reasonable taxes for transactions within their respective borders. But ensuring multinational enterprises are not profit-shifting to their subsidiaries from higher tax regimes to lower tax regimes is a key component of government taxation strategy. Different taxes in existence between countries offer the basis for conflict, including high tax regimes and lower tax regimes. You should always remember that there is a difference between financial results as audited and reported pursuant to GAAP, which is net income, and taxable income. Intercompany transactions are eliminated for financial purposes. They are not eliminated for tax reporting purposes, however. Some examples, of course, include intercompany loans and sales of goods between affiliates. What are some of the strategies that companies can engage in? Well, it can develop pricing strategies and policies for transactions. Different methods exist, yet all rates set arm's length as a minimum for each transaction. Comparables are required to justify selected methods from databases of similar entities. Document your third-party or transfer pricing policies and business practice. Obviously, this is a key component for compliance, and it really speaks to the need for compliance and tax to talk about this and be on the same page. Capture your transaction details who's selling, who's buying, what's being sold, and the dollar value. Meeting your compliance obligations will reduce penalties and risks. And of course, transfer pricing remedies and audits can be litigation, competent authority, and they can be unfortunately expensive. 
The key component here, though, is document, document, document. Document your policies and procedures. Document your methodology. Document your end result. Because regulators will come knocking, and if they do come knocking, you want to be able to present that you have appropriately applied transfer pricing at an arm's length basis, even between your subsidiaries. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join us for episode three, where we take up the topic of why tax should have a seat at the table. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Taxman on the intersection of tax and compliance. If you have any questions, you can reach out directly to Tracy on his LinkedIn profile, Tracy Ben Howe. I hope you'll join us again for another episode where we explore this topic, which doesn't get nearly enough play in the compliance commentary as it should. How can tax help make a more effective compliance program leading to greater business efficiency? Taxman is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.